The Cinesnob Podcast is brought to you by Alamo Drafthouse. Cody Septimburton continues at the Alamo Drafthouse, this time with The Corpse Bride. Did you ever see The Corpse Bride? I did not. Uh, I believe it's just called Tim Burton's Corpse Bride, so I'm, I've already screwed up the title. But uh, it's kind of a – it feels sort of a like a spiritual sequel to uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, in different though that Tim Burton actually directed this film and he didn't, he didn't direct the nightmare before Christmas. That's a common misconception, but, uh, this, uh, stars, uh, the voices of Johnny Depp and Helena Bonham Carter. What? Yes. Uh, I believe this was their first collaboration with Tim Burton. I don't, I may be wrong on that. I can't think of anything before that, but I think this is where the Helena Bonham Carter, uh, Tim Burton combo Helena Bottom Carter, Johnny Depp, Tim Burton combo was birthed. Unless unless she was in uh, Ed Wood, and I don't remember that. Or uh, speaking or, uh, of Ed Wood, was she in Sleepy Hollow? No, but I was just. Oh, speaking of Ed Wood, yes. Go ahead. We're we're gonna do that at Draft House this month to have our own little set Tim Burton. Oh, really? I had no idea. You sprung that on me. I did because we were gonna do Little Miss Sunshine, but there there was some rights issues that we couldn't hurdle over. Um, I am very excited about that. I love Ed Wood. Uh, yeah, so I we they're doing the Tim Burton stuff, and my you know we I figured we might as well just join the club. Yes. Wow, that's really that's a great surprise, Cody. Thanks for that. You're welcome, J Rod. But you know, you it's not like you'll be here for it. True. Uh, you know, uh, and you've recently delved into the world of mystery science theater three thousand. Yes, very um, much so. I uh, I was super excited about Ed Wood when it was released in 1994, I believe, because I was right in the thick of Mystery Science Theater 3000's initial run, and they showed several Ed Wood movies, and uh, it was it was like the first kind of pulling the curtain back on these terrible movies uh, and how they got made, and and I I really really love Ed Wood, uh, but we're not talking about Ed Wood right now. We're talking about The Corpse Bride. Uh, this is uh. Part of again, part of September Burton. It's at Alamo Draft House Park North, Sunday, September eighteenth. This is one of those deals where you can buy the uh, extra collect. Do you, mean, do you mean Sunday, September eighteenth? Oh, yes. I'm glad you interrupted me from. for, <laughs> it for was that, worth it for that. Anyway, uh, you can uh, buy the the sweet uh, Mondo and Birth Movies Death add-ons with this. Uh, you can also you can get admission with the limited edition Birth Movies Death magazine. You can get admission with a Beetlejuice uh, Mondo limited edition handbook for the recently deceased pin. You can get admission with the magazine and all the pins. Uh, that includes the Edward Scissorhands uh, Scissorhands pins, I guess you'd call that. Uh, the little uh, dinosaur topiary he does. Uh, and the uh, handbook for the recently deceased that is at Alamo Draft House Park North Sunday September 18th 7:30 p.m. Get your tickets at drafthouse.com. Hey Cody, d- one thing did you know this about uh, Corpse Bride? It's uh, the first movie, first stop motion movie shot with an off the shelf digital camera, digital still oh, really? camera. This is like this was made in 2000, released in 2005, produced before that. Obviously, they uh, they took a Canon uh, digital camera off the shelf 
and formatted it with uh, motion picture lenses. And uh, instead of using using film, which is how they traditionally did stop motion before that, they just took single digital photos of every frame. So that's, that's really they, cool. Yeah, it was a it was innovative at the time, and I think that's how most of them do it now. Uh, anyway, you can get your tickets at DraftHouse.com. Let's go ahead and start the show. In a world filled with movie podcasts, three critics from the juggernaut media market of San Antonio decided to change the entire course of the internet. A feat attempted by many and conquered by many to produce a relatively listenable podcast. Devastating truth bombs. Brace yourselves, guys. The Muppets are puppets. You know that, right? <laughs> no! Wait! Oh, okay. no! They're puppets. No, and <laughs> Muppets are puppets. This is gonna <laughs> Hard facts. Yeah, not Kevin Feige or Feig, whatever, but... I think it's Feige. Is it really? I have no idea. <laughs> Asking the important questions. What is that? What, what was that that I just saw right now? It was like a fat Iron Man. That's it's a Hulkbuster. Hulk Hulkbuster armor. That's, that's, that's how he fights the Iron Man. <laughs> this is the Cinesnaw Podcast. Welcome to episode 88 of the Cinesnaw Podcast. I'm Jared Kingery. And I'm Cody Viafania. We've just hit that magic number where we can travel through time. 88. Yeah. You know, back to the future. You know. No. Oh, okay. That's oh, what you're referencing. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Pardon me. I'm a little distracted. Uh, I've got uh, Star Wars The Force Awakens on in the background. It's uh, premiered tonight on Stars. It's weird how I own it several different formats, both, well, I guess, Blu-ray, DVD, and digitally. And I'm like, oh, it's on TV. I'm going to turn it on and watch it. I, I do that all the time. It's such a, it's such madness. But And I was like, oh, it's premiering tonight. Like, yeah, I could have watched it a hundred times since since it was released on Blu-ray. But Man, if there's a movie that's showing on HBO or something – I will I will almost watch that even if it's a shitty movie I will almost watch that over something new or something different every time. <laughs> I've been I've been caught up in uh um when they show the Batman series the Tim Burton Joel Schumacher Batman series I think we talked about that last week. Um but this one uh The Force Awakens I and I'd for, not forgotten but I was pleasantly reminded has there ever been one of these big franchise movies like this? Where you get a character introduced immediately that's that's super riveting and fun as much as Oscar Isaac's character was. Yeah, that's a great point. It's there's there's a couple really funny moments in there. Uh, th- there's that one really comedic line. Um, it, God, what does he say? It, it, you mean uh, when he first meets Kylo Ren? He's like, "Who talks first? You talk first? Yeah, that one. Yeah. Uh, I, I think maybe maybe. Uh, Chris Pratt as Star Lord comes close, uh, you know, in you know, starting the movie, dancing and 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 singing along to the uh, sort of on the uh, on the same token though, is the idea that I think they kind of blew it with the character in the second half of the, the Force Awakens because it's such a great introduction and such a great character that sort of is forgotten about i think but the more so than than i think a lot of people were, were willing to admit at the time the force awakens bears a lot of scars of uh of being rewritten and recut uh and oscar isaac's character poe dameron is a 
pretty big example of that. I mean, it's, well, in in no bigger example when it was revealed that they wanted to kill him off. Right, in right. The Force Awakens, and then you can clearly now see the signs of, oh shit, what do we do with this guy? Let's just bring him back randomly in the middle of the movie. Yeah, I mean, you know, say what you will about the movie, um, you know, it's it's it gets messy at times, and I think that's one of the biggest biggest blunders in the film because he's introduced fantastically like he'd be a fantastic hero for this movie and he disappears in in a scene that's essentially like oh he's dead and then you see him later you're like oh i i made it i'm fine like with no real explanation uh meanwhile you we've moved on to two other protagonists um right so yeah I, i hope that they give him more to do in the second one you know were you uh were you, were you a fan of the uh, the shipping that people have done with uh, Poe Dameron and um, uh, Finn? The uh, that the internet seemed to fall in love with, making them fall in love with each other. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a definite. Uh, there's some fanfic going on out there. It's such a weird phenomenon. Like it, it's and there's and there's been think pieces written about it too, like how. Uh, people want their taste dictated in art and how dangerous it is for artists. Mm-hmm. Like how, like, cause there's like the campaign to, uh, you know, to make them a couple or to, uh, for a sequel, uh, in a sequel to frozen, give, uh, Elsa a female love interest. Yeah. Which is, you know, people demanding things of art, which a lot of creative types find dangerous for, uh, for the creative process, um, which I can, I, I can see both sides because there's a weird fan service side to it that has to be balanced out with like, okay, we can't just give everybody exactly what they want. Cause then there's no element of, of mystery or suspense to the whole thing. Um, but yeah, that's a, um, and probably a lot of it's just kind of internet people messing around. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I it's, it's because you sort of draw the line at some point where it's like, are you doing it just for the sake of doing it? Or is there a really compelling reason to do it that way? Not that like, you know, that this would ever seriously happen. Um, but well, I mean, stu- big studios are really still pretty chicken about uh, yeah giving giving you a, a homosexual well, main characters. Well, yeah. I mean, just look at the – I mean, I, there's two – main examples just from this year there's the uh there's the sulu thing which was barely a blip on the radar right and then the uh the whole thing with kate mckinnon and ghostbusters yeah and she doesn't even have a a, like a love interest in the film there was just like she was gonna be a lesbian and that was it like there was nothing else to the (laughs) well and that's and the weird thing about it is that there's hints of it all throughout ghostbusters but they never like touch on it and it's just and so it leads to like a this really weird unfulfilled pocket of you know uh scenes where it's like is she like I can't I don't know what they're trying to do here. Well uh the Sulu thing I remember about was it a month or so out from release they made the big announcement that he was you know that Sulu would be confirmed gay in this universe. Yeah. And like it kind of blew up in their face when when George Takei was like, eh, I don't really care about that. I don't really. I think that's wrong. Like, oh fuck. Like, you could see like the the marketing team at Paramount being like, son of a bitch. How do we blow that one? 
and then uh, in the movie, it's barely like you, he might as, that the character. It's I guess um, what's the guy's name? He's the co-writer um, of the film. Doug Jung, I think, is his name. That's who played Sulu's husband in the film. Though you wouldn't mm-hmm. know it because it might as well just be his brother. As much exactly. affect, as much affection as they're allowed to show in the film, but uh, yeah, again, I don't think I, mean, I don't give a shit what happens with Finn and, and Poe Dameron, but I I do I do kind of fall on the side of it being dangerous uh, that the internet gets to dictate what happens next in a film. You know, not that not that Star Wars is high art or anything, but you know. yeah, well, you know, it worked for Snakes on a Plane. <laughs> that movie's ten years old now. Do you realize that? I've never, I never saw it. It's awful. I, I think my the one biggest surprise in it is Taylor Kitsch has a small role and his nipple gets bitten by a snake. <laughs> it's a fucking terrible movie, but oh, it was quite the talker in summer of twenty two thousand six. Goddamn! I know. We're getting old, Cody. Yep. So, uh, on another note, it's been a busy week here for us at CineSnob. Yeah, the CineSnob headquarters. CineSnob HQ has been a buzz. Uh, Lots of meetings. Yeah. Weird things. Meetings. Yeah. It's like legitimate, like productive meetings uh, that are going on behind the scenes. Uh, Can't really talk too much about anything yet, but... We did tease a little bit um, on our Facebook page. We've got something brewing <laughs> um, at Big Hops. Yeah. Which is going to be, if we are able to do this the way we want to, It's gonna be, it could be really, really cool. Tell people a little bit about Big Hops if they don't know what Big Hops is and where it's at. So Big Hops has, uh, has three locations in San Antonio. Uh, there's one on Bitters, one on Hebner, and one right, literally right next to the Hay Street Bridge. Um, in in the downtown area, and um, you know, basically what they do is they have uh either microbreweries, small craft beer taps, and then local taps. Like if you wanted to go to Big Hops and drink a Miller Lite, you're in trouble because they don't have it. So like it's <laughs> it's a place where like you you're only gonna go if you want to try some new beer or. Um, you know, try something local or try something that's made in small batches. So it's it's kind of a really cool place to kind of explore in terms of you know your beer palette and all that stuff. If, it's a it's a growler refill place too. Yeah, if you don't know where the Hay Street Bridge is, just uh, look up the Ice JJ Fish video on the floor. Do you remember that one? No. Oh, you have to look that up. I I I'd play a little bit of it, but I'm afraid to play an ad beforehand. It's a it's Ice JJ Fish, and it's it was a video that went viral a couple of years ago. It made it to Tosh.0. It's this awful, awful rapper, and the video was recorded recorded on the Hayes Street Bridge uh, for some strange, bizarre reason. I have no idea why, because I think hmm. he's from Chicago. So, who interesting. Knows? Anyway. Yeah, it's it's a it's a cool area down there, um, and. Uh... Yeah, so we've got something in the works that hopefully we can tell you a little bit more about next week. Um, and then the other thing is kind of something in its very tiny little infancy. Um, the the uh, pregnancy test just turned blue on that one. Yeah, yeah. We're not sure if it'll uh, how it'll come out. <laughs> Man, I thought you were going to say something else. 
No, I was no, I'm not going <laughs> to no. I was going to say I I I was I was going to say we're not sure if it's going to be a boy or a girl. But then I said it's, we're not sure if that's how that's going to come out because it's a little vaguer, but yeah, I can see where you thought I was going for something very tasteless on that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I assure you I wasn't. So That's good. Please. Fine if you did. We there's there's an editing button for a reason. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, an editing button. If it were yes, only that just, simple. <laughs> yeah, you just press the old editing button. <laughs> just edit that bad boy out. Click. Yeah. You, you should. Oh, how much racist stuff I have to edit out of Kiko's, who's not here again tonight, by the way. Yeah. Um. Getting, he he had a one-week grace period. Now he's on our shit list again. Yeah. God damn it, Kiko. No, actually, he uh, he was out with out with you last night at that meeting. So. Yes. So yeah, he he did participate. You know. When uh, when Kiko Martinez sees an opportunity, he jumps. So uh, yeah, he was present. It was a great meeting, and he's um, when he's pressing the flesh, he's on board. Excuse me. When he's out to press the flesh, you know, shake hands. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I've never heard that. You never heard press the flesh. No. No. Well, that's what it means. Not in that context. No. Not caress the flesh. Man, did you see the um there's a there was this viral video thing pop but like bouncing around today about like a foreign Heinz ketchup commercial? No. I'll have to show that to you later. Okay. You and you show me that one and I'll show you uh Ice JJ Fish. Sounds good. Yeah, it's a trade-off. So, uh anything else to add to that uh that awesomeness? N- no, uh you know I think by next week we should be able to uh, tell you a little bit more about the big hops thing. I mean, that's that's just we need to kind of hammer out a few of the details there. Um, but it's it that one's gonna happen. The second thing, who knows? Um, but it's fun to think about. Yeah. It, well, it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of uh, a lot of potential there, but it's 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 very raw right now. So. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a little, just a little nugget. Yeah, but hey, if you like us and what we do, and you're local, um, you're really going to be interested in keeping tabs on us in the next few weeks because uh, I think that uh, you know we got some stuff going. It's another podcast, you guys. Yeah, yeah, that's a, exactly what it is. Com- We're going to start doing two episodes a week. <laughs> no, it's a totally different podcast. Oh right, yeah. I mean, it's it's the it's all of us, but we were just talking about gardening. Yeah, it's and it's called Gardens of the Galaxy. <laughs> Man, you know, I've always wanted to do like uh, one. I like there's success. It seems to be success sometimes in those hyper specific podcasts, mm-hmm. like the ones that uh, I remember when we first started. I was browsing uh, the competition around us, and there was. Someone, someone who was watching, like some podcast, they were rewatching all of Full House. Yeah, I, yeah, I remember that, and uh, and just kind of recapping every episode. And I'm like, and they, I'm sure they have way more listeners than we do, just because of that. Dude, if you want, if like the key, I learned just from doing the same thing that you did. If you want to have a podcast that's popular, the second a new show comes out, create a podcast completely devoted to it. You know, I, and you're golden. Yeah, I and. Um, and you can even somehow manage to snag like people that are on the show, like if it's not too big. Yeah, I've seen that happen before too. 
Where it's like, oh yeah, I'm doing the Fuller House podcast. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, great. Anyway, not to slash. And you can just and you can just interview one of those people like in the line at Chipotle or something, right? <laughs> yeah, you could like, oh shit, there's uh, Bob Saget. Let's <laughs> see what he thinks. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's maybe that's a project for another time. Like, just find yeah. something. I that'd like, be cool. Man, we fucking missed the boat on a Stranger Things podcast. Yeah, because yeah. the whole world's coming up Stranger Things right now. Oh yeah, and I think oh. I I think I watched it a little ahead of the the crest of the wave because I think I watched it the weekend it came out, and then about three weeks later is when it exploded. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, just a quick thing: Did you ever finish watching the Rob Lowe roast? No, uh, no, I didn't. Why? Okay. Well, that <laughs> fizzled. <laughs> <laughs> well, why do you have something to talk about, or are we just? No, I mean, have... I was just, I was just wondering what you You're thought. Just of asking it. me what I thought of a lot of TV shows. Well, I mean, I mean, Rob Lowe's a movie star, and this is a movie podcast, so well, I, you I know. Understand. Look, man, I'm grasping at straws because we don't have any news today. So. I'm gonna ask, I, I, I know the answer to it, but I'm going to ask if you watched Atlanta because I know you didn't watch Atlanta. I have not watched Atlanta. I haven't watched uh, um, Better Things either. Welcome to shows we haven't watched before. But I, I have Better Things recorded. That's the Pamela Adlin uh, yeah. uh, FX show. By the way, uh, FX, killing it for the most part. I didn't. I I didn't watch. I saw that Dennis Leary's show got canceled today, but I didn't never. I never watched that. Um, but ever it seems ever since uh, uh, the People versus O.J. Simpson, which was fantastic, they have just not given a shit about language at all. Because uh, Atlanta was full of people saying "fuck." Really? Yeah. Which I love. I love that. Like, there's no particular reason that these cable networks are censoring themselves anymore because they, they're not beholden to anybody except advertisers. And, you know, if you're watching FX, you know what you're getting into. Right. Well, and that's, that's the great thing is because like not only, I mean, for a long time, everyone was catching up to places like HBO in terms of content, Mm -hmm. except for there was that one thing where it's like, well, you can't do anything you want on a, on something like FX or AMC and like language was really the last kind of thing that was holding it back from, from really being similar stuff. And now you have, you know, something like the people versus OJ Simpson or, or, uh, something else had, I think even like Mr. Robot had an F bomb at one point. Um, uh, I, and I, better I, call Saul had one. Yeah. Uh, uh, I guess that's, I guess that's why HBO ramped up the nudity. Because I think every show on HBO now has nudity in it, just because that's the one last thing that that those those cable networks that aren't HBO kind of leave on the table. Man, I've I've got Creed on the TV. They really should have killed Rocky in this movie. Oh, uh, what's uh, what's that on? Uh, Epics. Oh, I don't have Epics. I just have HBO and Epics. I wish I had Stars, but. I like stars, but then every time I go past Epics, I'm like, oh, I'd love to watch that. But it's always like Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan. Like, eh. oh, that's exactly what they're on the other channels. Like, actually, I saw, on, I saw yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like one of them has the Search for Spock on right now, and the other one has Star Trek: The Motion Picture. Yeah, yeah. I I would watch those all day long if I could, and I probably have before. So, uh, so anyway, um, that was our TV talk segment. I would like to have a TV podcast at some point. I've thought about that too, but man, that's 
we we have a hard time getting it together for the movie one. You got to be really timely with the TV one. Yeah, but I guess the good thing about that is that y- they could be really short episodes could because we, you don't. Could we tr- maybe do an experiment sometime? Whenever Netflix releases its next like, like kind of half-assed sitcom, you know, starring like former, former sitcom stars or something like that one that has a. Uh, like half of that 70s show cast. Oh yeah, it. like the ranch. Yeah, like can we? Whenever they do their next one or, or one of them, we should pick one of those and just fucking beat it to shit with a podcast. Like just cover that thing like crazy. Yeah, we that'd should, be that'd be an interesting experiment. Yeah, just just to see how it goes. Yeah, record all like 13 episodes in a week weekend. But then we'd have to like watch it. <laughs> oh yeah. That's that's the fatal flaw in your plan. Yeah, shit. Uh, I I remember because uh, my girlfriend and I, as I mentioned before, we went and saw a taping of Fuller House, which which allegedly I think I read a story about this on the Ringer. <clears throat> Netflix doesn't release numbers, but if you look at like online buzz about it, that it's the most popular show on TV right now, or at least when it was released. Which seems crazy to me. I don't buy into that. I don't know. I mean, Netflix never releases their numbers, but I I'm not shitting you when I tell you my girlfriend's watched watched Fuller House at least three times all the <sighs> way through. <laughs> she listens to the show, by the way, so be nice. But uh, I've seen through four episodes, including the one that I saw taped. But uh. Yeah, so, so the next time Netflix has like, it's like oh uh, Kelsey Grammer and uh, uh, Kelsey Grammer and Ryan Stiles star in <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> Jesus, I don't want to see this. <laughs> I should. Why am, why am I shitting on Ryan Stiles? I like Ryan Stiles. It's like it'd be like Kelsey Grammer and Diedrich Bader in, <laughs> and uh, they throw in uh, what's her name that played Mimi on the Drew Carey show. Oh yeah, I forget her name. That that did you ever did you ever watch like the final season of the Drew Carey show when it descended into like arty madness? Uh, no, I did not. There's a couple of there's a couple of shows that one and Till Death, uh, the Brad Garrett show that came after Everybody Loves Raymond mm-hmm. that they gave incredibly long orders to that they like fell off in popularity. Like I think both of them got renewed towards the end of their runs for like two full seasons. But then like everybody stopped caring because they slid in the ratings, but they were still obligated to make the show. So they Man, got you, really, really experimental and weird. Do you remember that, uh, that order that was given to, uh, anger management? Oh yeah. We, well, that's a, we've, I thought we talked about this before. That's a, a standard model. That's a, a 1090 model. That's for garbage. That's literally like literally producing garbage. That's uh, you order the you order the first ten episodes, and uh, if they do well enough, then you get the full order for the ninety, the back ninety, and then you like they just produce them like knock them out, and then they run for like four years in syndication. There was that though that show. Um, there was another show that didn't make it on FX that was like that. There was a George Lopez one that didn't make it. I think Kiko interviewed George Lopez when he was doing press for that show. 
and he was very mean to Kiko. Do you remember that? Because Kiko talked about being canceled, and George yes. Lopez took that as a failure. Um, and then um, there was a there. <laughs> speaking of which, there was a Kelsey Grammer and Martin Lawrence show. Oh yeah, it was supposed to be one of those. Uh, I think Anger Management was the only one FX picked up. I believe I may be wrong on that, but uh, I think those uh, Tyler Perry shows that uh, used to play on TBS were 1090 shows. So you make a hundred episodes essentially if the first ten go well. So you mean like stuff like Yes, Dear, and no, 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 that was an off-network sitcom. Yes, Dear was. Um, Typically, these are done by cable networks, and then they can they can use them to fill holes in programming. You know, that's that's cheap enough to produce. You know, it's cheap enough to to run. You know, whenever because it's almost you know not timely at all. It's I mean, it's it's essentially garbage, is what it is. It's it's filling holes with garbage. It's like when you turn on um, FX in the morning. And it's full of syndicated stuff like Raising Hope. Like, it's not a bad show, but it's just, like, who's watching Raising Hope at 7.30 in the morning? No one. Right. Um, so it's just filling a hole. Um, yeah, I don't think anybody does those anymore, at least that I'm aware of. Maybe. And here's I, – I, I'm trying to find, like, a, a Netflix show that fits the thing that you're – talking about okay there's a, there's a there's one coming out next year it's a chuck lorry one starring kathy bates Ooh, <laughs> that has wow. some potential kathy bates and who else um nobody nobody like well known oh that's kind of uh, i that's maybe a little too i mean unless she's like a sassy grandma or something which... yeah unless she's like her character from the office <laughs> oh yeah Oh man, how that show fell off the rails. Anyway, um, yeah, there's a whole. I love talking TV. I've been in the business for 16 years now, so why don't we just have the podcast called Talk and Telly? <laughs> we need. It needs to be more clever than that. If you have any ideas for a clever TV podcast name, email them to podcast at cinesnob dot net or tweet tweet them to us at cinesnob. All right, let's go ahead and move on to reviews. Here are this week's reviews. First up, we have Sully. Mayday, mayday, mayday. This is Cactus 1549. Hit birds. We've lost thrust on both engines. We are turning back towards the Guardian. Which engine did you lose? Both, both engines. Ignition? Ignition. Thrust levers confirm. Idle. Idle. Cactus 1549, if we can get a few, do you want to try to land runway 13? We are unable. We may end up in the Hudson. That's going to be left traffic, runway 31. Unable. Okay, what do you need to land? No relight after 30 seconds in your master 1 and 2. Confirm off. Too low off. terrain. Too low terrain. Too low terrain. Too low terrain. This is the captain. Brace for impact. This is the story of Chesley Sullenberger, who became a hero after gliding his plane along the water into the Hudson River, saving all of the airplane flight's 155 crew and passengers. So this is, uh, of course, the latest from 86-year-old director Clint Eastwood. He's up there. And uh, I got to see how old he is for real. 
And, uh, uh, of course, national treasure, Tom Hanks. Yeah. So First uh, of all, you, you said the movie title wrong. It's Sully. Sully. Sully, you motherfucker. <laughs> you fucking cock. <laughs> I can get stuck in this all day. So uh, what would you think of Sully? Um, Man, it's – so I think that one of the things that has kind of – I guess with American Sniper, Eastwood kind of developed this hero worship type of thing um, because that's really what American Sniper is. And and I actually like American Sniper a lot more than some of the critical circles do. I thought it was fine. Um, But, uh, you know, it's hard to have this story and not have it come off as sort of hero worship. Um, And... uh, you know, I think that something I wrote in my review is that when you have a story like this that's so recent, especially when it took place in the 24-hour news cycle, not a lot is going to come as a surprise. Um, and uh, yet somehow, and I think it, it it's a credit to Tom Hanks and how he is a national treasure, uh, I, I think that this is a movie that works in spite of Clint Eastwood doing everything he can to make it not work. Um, I think there's some really, really poor um, choices that he makes in this movie from a directing standpoint. Um, yeah. I think that, you know, first and foremost, I think the biggest flaw of the movie is the fact that he tries to vilify the um, the the the, the, the uh, investigative board. NTSB. The NTSB. NTSB. You asked me what that stood for the other day. Yeah. The National... Uh, you little yeah. child. You were like, what is the? what was the name of that agency? Isn't that the name of a tire store? That's NTB. NTSB. Uh, yeah. Which sounds like a Law & Order spinoff. <laughs> okay. Well, that got about what it deserved. <laughs> no, I totally agree with you on that point. Um, that nearly derailed the whole movie for me. Which is unfortunate because I think that the investigation is the most interesting part of the movie. Well, I look, I there's been several stories written about this, how the investigators have uh, made statements about the movie. They, they don't use the real names of the investigators. It played by uh, – in the movie, it's Mike O'Malley with like his best kind of like, like shit-eating grin. Uh, Anna Gunn, who, of course, is from Breaking Bad, and uh, Jamie Sheridan, who was also on Law & Order. Um, I believe he was on uh, uh, Criminal Intent. Um, but anyway, they, they're not uh, – the, the people that actually were the, on the board of the NTSB at the time uh, have said like have, – have objected to their portrayal in this movie as being out to get Sully. And that's exactly. essentially what this movie – what that part of the movie is, is these guys are this, – this board is out to get Sully, you know, Captain Sullenberger, and it – you know that's not true. Like, I, I mean, I know that's not true, and it, it just – it's – it it really adds unnecessary drama to the movie when I think the real drama in the film is his own perception of what happened personally. Right. right. The internal struggle of did he make the right call or not. Because it's perfectly fine because that's kind of the biggest the biggest point of the of the NTSB scenes is that computer simulations say he could have made it back to the airport safely and regardless of how the the you know the landing on the hudson river went out uh 
or went down, did he unnecessarily endanger people's lives? And right, I think, by, by doing a much more dangerous maneuver. Right, and I think that conflict, if played in his internal, you know, him wrestling with himself internally, I think that's a much more effective antagonist in the film than creating fake villains. Right. Um, and the, and it's not like the movie, you know, it's not like they added padding to the story because the movie is barely an hour and a half long. Yeah. And, and honestly, you know, um, I think that like the simulation stuff is interesting. I actually find that kind of interesting. And, uh, I, I thought that it was interestingly played in the, in the film, but again, you know, they just cut to like a smirking Mike O'Malley and it's like, what are you, what are you trying to portray here? Like, you don't have to turn this guy into a bigger hero than we already know that he is. Like, he landed a plane on the Hudson River. Like, you don't have to give us any more stakes than that. You don't have to put him up, pit him up against anyone. Like, it's just, it's a, it's an amazing story. Yeah. Uh, it, it doesn't need that. Yeah. I mean, you, you add in these, like, like these, these fictional spineless bureaucrats, like, trying to, to shoot down this guy who's a national hero. And, Keep in mind, in the absolute thick of national coverage as a national hero. Yeah. I mean, world, I mean, essentially worldwide coverage as a hero. I think it gets a little corny every now and then when uh, people uh, cheer him on as a hero. I think the film gets a little, uh, a little old man corny here and there. But I mean, I think it, it I think Tom Hanks does a fantastic job in the role. I don't think there's a lot to it, though. There isn't, and it's, and I think it can be misconstrued as understated because I think it actually takes a lot for him to be so, uh, so low key like that. I mean, I mean, like you would almost think that this guy has no personality, but then when you cut to actually seeing the real Sully, he's kind of a boring dude. Like you know, he's just. <laughs> Not an exciting character. He's he's not enthusiastic or anything like that. I really like Aaron Eckhart in this movie too. Um, yeah, mainly his mustache. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it, this differs from uh, um, uh, excuse me of uh, from Eastwood's uh, American Sniper, where he basically turned a guy who was probably a really big giant prick into you know a, a, a sympathetic character. Uh, in yeah. Chris Kyle, I mean, because uh, everything. Unfortunately, recent history hasn't been very kind to Chris Kyle. Everything that I've ever read about Chris Kyle, outside of his military record, which I'm for the for anybody who gets pissed off, I'm not besmirching one single bit, but he comes across as a huge fucking dick, uh, you know, and like a, a a braggart and a liar and and all kinds of things like that. Outside of his military record, I know there's one there's one like army guy somewhere just punching the fucking his iPod just pissed up me saying that, but yeah. Um, I, well, I, and to go back to just, just a couple more of the film's flaws. Cause I, I did, I did like it overall. And I think that it works in spite of it, but there are, I mean, there's glaring flaws and it really does not hold up to scrutiny. Um, but I think that everything that Laura Linney does in this movie, um, is played with really sappy maudlin piano music. And, that's that's all she does, and it's just kind of like a, this worthless throwaway role. She spends and, every scene on the phone, on the phone, talking yeah. to talking to Tom Hanks' character. Yep, yeah, it was probably all filmed in one afternoon. Yeah. Uh, but uh, 
and and then the other thing, the other odd choice that I found was um, the way that Eastwood shows the actual uh, landing and the whole flight, because we're we're made to you know to to be made aware that it was a two hundred eight second flight, and so at different periods throughout the movie we see chunks of it, and then towards the end we see it in real time. And I think that the real-time thing would have been so much more effective had we not seen anything earlier in the movie. And that scene ends up just feeling really obligatory, and um, and it doesn't really have any tension to it because we've seen it in pieces throughout the rest of the movie. So I thought that was a really odd decision. Yeah, and I know you had a problem with the 9-11 allegories. Um... yeah. I, I, I'm I me not so much. I think you have to really remember the the time period it was. I mean, here we are on the 15th anniversary of 9/11 this weekend. Um, you know, 2008 going into 2009. You know, we weren't that far removed from it. You know, uh, I guess psychologically, because we were. You know, George W. Bush was still president when this happened for like five more days. Uh, you know, there was, there was still that attitude of, you know, being in two wars going on at once over something that had happened eight years ago, um, seven years ago, really at that point. Um, so, you know, and the, like they talk about the financial crisis, uh, having just hit, you know, kind of hit super hard in New York. I think, I think I'm fine with the nine 11 imagery. Um, you know, he has some nightmares about what might've happened, had the plane crashed into, you know, downtown Manhattan, essentially again, you know, um, I don't know the layout. Is that Manhattan right off the Hudson? I really have no idea. I think so. Yeah. Light of LaGuardia near LaGuardia. I don't know. I don't know if it had crashed into a, a building in New York and, and you see that played out several times in nightmares that, that Sully has. Um, so I, I was okay with it. I know you, you didn't really care for it, but. Well, I mean, I just think that that is uh, – I think that it's that's a little manipulative as a tactic, as a filmmaking <laughs> I tactic. Th- I, think it's, but... I think it's way less manipulative than, than creating false villains yeah. out, out of the government who want – who like – who would – Who are doing their jobs. And, and frankly, for real, in no way in hell – would have worked against the public sentiment of that that it embraced him. I mean, unless he just turned out to be an awful criminal psychopath, or if he was like drunk or something. Yeah, uh, and even that, like the movie, kind of teases at tension with that. Like, oh, are you when was the last time you had a drink? You're having problems at home, and then it just kind of forgets about that. But yeah, but 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 I mean, there there is good though. I think I think that Tom the the, the acting I think is great across the board. Um, I think that having like being such a well-known story, there are some uh, some looks into the investigation, specifically like the simulators. I don't know with Clint Eastwood. I I don't know what I can trust to be like an actual thing that happened. But um, I yeah. think that there's elements of the investigation, like the simulators and things, that are really interesting. And and there are times where, like you said, they do play into the um, the internal conflict that he's having, that he may have screwed it up, but. It's, I mean, it's a road that's traveled down very lightly and then, you know, taken in a different direction. Well, and then, you know, it kind of wraps up in a, in a gotcha moment, 
um, you know, to, to get the guy, to get the bad guys essentially, which I, I just, I just don't think the story needs it. I, I just, it, it seems like it's such a, a manipulative waste to, to create false villains in this story. Cause look, maybe he's a boring dude and I'm sure, I mean, he's just an airline pilot, you know? Um, uh, I don't think that there's any, you know, I, I don't know that, uh, that there's any inherent drama in that it's the actual situation that where the drama lies and the decision as to why it, why he made it and why, why it was successful is, is the interesting part. I don't care about how he flew a crop duster when he was a teenager or made, uh, yeah, those a, scenes are worthless. Yeah. Or made a landing under duress in a fighter jet that has nothing to do with anything else. It, it just, it there, it seems like it's building backstory that that doesn't mean anything. It, it just feels like like the script they had was too slight, and they needed to pad it out. And and I don't I don't think that that fabricating anything or or embellishing his life was the right would be the right choice either. I just wonder if this story really needed the the feature film treatment that it got from Clint Eastwood. I, I think that there's not. There's just not yeah. a lot there. It felt it definitely felt like it was an idea that was really stretched and and sort of you know taken to its furthest limits in terms of what they could milk out of the story. Um, although I was I was half expecting at one point to see like Sully doing like coke off a stripper when he was like <laughs> in the midst of his fame. I just <laughs> instead I he gets know. instead he gets a. A, a pretty, admittedly pretty clever drink from uh, Michael Rappaport and some yeah. generic bar flies. The, what was the, it was the Sully, it was a Grey Goose. It was a Grey Goose with a splash, splash, of, splash water. of water. That was, that was pretty clever. I liked that. <laughs> but uh, I, I think, look, I think it's fine. The movie's fine. I think it has a lot of problems. I don't think it's bad. But I I just wish it was so much better. And and the reviews have been oddly mixed on this thing. Like people either love it or they're like god damn it. Yeah. Um, and I just at this point um I I just want to I I want to see Tom Hanks in stuff that isn't a waste of his time. Um not that this is on in any level, but you know No, that I, dude that dude is like the best. Well, I don't think there's a better person to play Sully. Frankly, um, I think there's a better movie out there with mm-hmm. Sully in it. Um, I don't know that, like, you know, uh, Clint Eastwood has this kind of reputation as, I mean, he's an old, old man. Um, let's not mince words. I mean, he's 86 years old. That's old. That's an old, old man. I mean, can you, do, how many, uh, how many people that age do you share the same uh, entertainment sensibilities with? You know, how many people that are going to go see this movie share the same sensibilities with as an 86-year-old man? And while that may be true, you know, it's not, it's not you know, something that, that that is like a death sentence or anything. No, no I'm not saying <laughs> that. Weird choice of words. But, um, <laughs> but, I mean, like, Ridley Scott's 78, and he just created uh, The Martian last year, which was his best movie in 20 years. True. Probably, probably uh, since Gladiator. So that's not quite twenty years, but um, no. I, I 
I'm just saying that it, that there's a heavy dose of kind of old Hollywood corn in this thing that I don't is, think really yeah. um, really suits the story. You know, the, the the since there's not any real conflict in the real life story, like they're investigating whether or not this was the right choice to make, whether or not this was the safest choice to make. They're not looking to smear Sully. And that's what the movie does because I guess they felt it needed the dramatic tension that comes with that. And I think it's a giant miscalculation that, like I said, for me, almost derailed the whole movie. Um, you know, I was, I was sitting there and I was like, man, I really wish this wasn't happening because this is really annoying. Cause, and I don't think that it does any favors for the actors playing it. Cause I like, um, Michael Malley can be good. I'm not a huge, I'm not here to man. I can't, sing the praises I can't, of Michael Malley, but I can't take him seriously because of my childhood. Because of guts. Guts. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's how I know him. I know him as the guy, the host of guts. Like that's it. Uh, like I can like every, every memory of him or every thought of him just goes directly to the aggro crag. Like that's, <laughs> that's where my brain goes. But, uh, like Anna Gunn, um, has done no favors for, in for the the role she has to play in this film, um, mm-hmm. you know, kind of the flustered, you know, as it, you know, it play. There's a scene that plays, uh, that plays as though they're, uh, they're, uh, uh, like, like they're they've been un- uncovered, like their scheme has been, has been figured out, and it just fucking pissed me off, man, because it doesn't it it's so it's so not real that right. it bothered me. Uh, because yeah, I mean, it's 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 making the audience go, ah, he got him or whatever, you know, like you don't need that. There's that. That's not the story. The story is this guy pull off a miracle thing that was potentially a really dangerous thing. And there was some questions as to, you know, I mean, there's a legitimate thing, a, a legitimate idea behind the uh, behind the fact that you know maybe he was this guy trying to pull a hot shot move or whatever, you know, right? Um, and you know that's you know that's where the drama is. The drama is in the fact that he landed a plane on a river, right? You know, right. we don't need anything else. Yeah, and everybody survived, and that's the whole yeah, that's the whole point of it. All right, what's your grade for this? You know, I it, it did sound like we beat it up a lot, but I I give it a B minus. I think that it, like I said, I think it gets by despite some really poor choices from Clint Eastwood. Yeah, I'm totally on board with that. B minus for me. Um, I, I I don't I don't want to pretend that I didn't didn't enjoy parts of it. Um, but I, I just I just wi- I I think Tom Hanks powers it through for me completely at this point. Um, so yeah, B-. as he does with most things. Yeah, uh, B minus for me. All right, let's move on to our next movie, Trans-Pecos. Good afternoon, sir. Go ahead and turn your car off and grab your ID while you're at it. Oh, hold on, Dave. Sir, shut off the vehicle. Shut off the vehicle now! Impressive, fellas. That's worth millions of dollars. Call us in, Davis. I can't do that. These don't make it to where they're going. I'm dead. desert out there and you only got half a coordinate. Can't find it by yourself. This 
said that they'd kill my entire family. They even sent me a picture of my mom at the post office. She told me what you would do. For three Border Patrol agents working at a remote desert checkpoint, the contents of one car will reveal an insidious plot within their own ranks. Now, uh, we both saw this, and it is playing exclusively at Alamo Draft House, right, Cody? Yeah, at the Westlake's location. Westlake's, Alamo Draft House, uh, the exclusive home of Trans Pecos in San Antonio. What did you think of the movie? You know, uh, I was kind of excited because so this was a movie that came out originally at South by Southwest and um, has has a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and I don't get it. Um, <laughs> I I really really did not like this movie. Um, there were parts where it threatened to be decent, you know, like uh, I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was just distracted by something. <laughs> what was it? A butterfly? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's so many of them right now. Um, and, no, I'm watching uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in uh, the first one, and uh-huh. there is the most obscure Arrested Development reference in this movie I mean, that I totally told me about forgot that. about. You told me about that, the Parmesan cheese sandwich. The Parmesan and the mustard. No. Oh. Which is so weird because it's a reference to the f- the fourth season of Arrested Development that was on Netflix. And it's just it's I can't like I remember noticing it when I saw the movie. I'm like, oh, I cannot believe that that's the reference they pulled. But anyway, it's 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 a movie that is is kind of like takes place on the on the border, like you said. And it's it's a movie where I don't understand how the story goes in the direction that it goes. Um, I don't understand anyone's motivation in this movie. Uh, characters are doing things that seem dumb and completely like there's characters in this movie who are like helping each other through things that they have no reason to do and it's it's just it's i I don't recall the last movie where i was sitting there watching it going i do not understand anyone's motivation at all yeah it, i was telling you it kind of reminded me of cop car a little bit uh, you know what it it, it has been, like, you know I think you hit the nail on the head when you were telling me that it it takes bits and pieces of a lot of different movies. I think it takes bits and pieces of like like I would call it a far inferior combination of something like Sicario and Fargo. Um, <laughs> um, mm, yeah, God, I, I, it's not even close to Sicario. I don't think. I mean, it's maybe Fargo, maybe. But it's not like comic at all. No, it's not. It, it's. I mean, it's. Look, it's a. It's a. It. I, I guess it's got a little bit of uh, kind of that uh, dusty Texas desperation that uh, uh, Hell or High Water had. Mm-hmm. Um, not as not as as well executed. Even though I wasn't as quite as excited for Hell or High Water as you were. Um, th- there's just it's really slight. Is I guess the best thing I can say about it. Um, there's just not a lot to this movie. It feels, I mean, it's, it's not even an hour and a half long. Yeah. Like it's an hour and 23 minutes or something, some sort of, of really short distance. And it feels longer because it, it, it seems to, like you said, there's not really, I, the motivation of certain characters isn't well understood. Um, I don't think, I think, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Gabriel Luna, um, who plays uh, kind of the, the the protagonist in the film? Who's also in? Uh, he'll be the uh, new Ghost Rider in uh, Agents of Shield. If you've th- ever watched that show, you've never watched before. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, um, I, I think that uh, his motivation, I don't really get it. I don't, I don't either. I, I don't understand what's happening. There are several points in the movie as well where it seems like the thing he should do is obvious and it doesn't even cross his mind. Yeah. And it's it's just weird. Yeah. Uh, um. Like I, I still don't really – I mean I think I kind of know what his motivation was, but I don't know. I, I could very well be wrong. I think that he's trying to, um, trying to have – everything lead to a giant bust. And I think beyond that, yeah. I don't, I don't really know. That's the only thing I can think of that makes sense of his actions. Um, but like, there's just like weird scenes. Like there's a, there's a scene involving a sunset that I was t- telling you about that. Like, I don't like what, I don't, I don't know what that was. Yeah. I mean, it's so out of place. Well, I, I don't think it, I mean, this feels like a, this feels like a, a movie that, that's an audition for something bigger. And that's kind of why I mentioned cop car. Like I didn't really think cop car was that great, but it got the director. Um, what is the director's name of cop car? Spider-Man. It's uh, John. Oh man. <laughs> I'm going to look it up right now, but uh, he moved on to, uh, of course, straight into directing Spider-Man. John Watts is his name. And I don't think that movie was, was anything beyond its kind of premise. Um, like it ends really grimly. And uh, kind of implausibly, um, and I, I think that's the same with this movie too. Like it, it just—I don't think it ever really uh, crosses that 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 barrier into like kind of epic crime caper. Like you know, it like you mentioned Sicario. Like this is a, a pale imitation of Sicario, if if even that close to it. And I still think Sicario had its own issues too. I hope, yeah, um, I do too. Um, but it never quite, you know, it, this this strives for some kind of low scale, uh, epic kind of crime adventure, I guess. Uh, but I don't think it ever really accomplishes that because nobody's motivations are really that clear. And, I, you know, the movie seems to purposely leave things vague, but I think it, it does so at a detriment. You know, it doesn't it doesn't make it mysterious. It just makes it kind of confusing. So. Yeah, no, I, I I totally agree with you, and I think that, um, I I think that occasionally the the Gabriel Luna, um, performance is kind of weak in parts. Um, uh, I think Johnny Simmons is pretty decent in it, um, but I I just I it just like none of it made sense to me. I was I was kind of just watching it, going, you know, why aren't they, uh, you know calling the police or whatever it's or you know why didn't he do this or why is he helping this person or it's it's just like none of it and then it, it actually goes back and forth between characters where you're asking that question so you might you might be asking why is this character doing this to help this person and then ask the same question in the roles reversed like none of it makes sense yeah it's there's yeah it's it, i it just like you see kind of the, the background of a plan being sketched, like the basics of a plan being sketched by the two characters that, you know, the two good guys, essentially, uh, that, that nothing really ever pays off from that. Uh, cause you never kind of understand what's happening. Like it just seems to be going with the flow, um, until, you know, the inevitable shootout at the end. Right. And, uh, I, I was disappointed in the movie. 
I, I wanted a, a nice, tight, little, dusty, I guess they're in Texas, right? Trans-Pecos? Pecos yeah. is in Texas? Yeah. I mean, you know, there's 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 elements in there that, that I think are, are handled okay, but then it just never really adds up to anything. Um, yeah. So I was disappointed. What's your grade? C. A C. Uh, I'm probably at a, a C as well. I don't... Uh, I just don't think I can recommend it. All right. That's going to do it for this week. Next week, Snowden. Snowden, yeah. Snowden, uh, which uh, you alerted me to, uh, I believe, is played already for some critics. Did it play in Toronto? Toronto Film Festival? I might have. I don't know, but it's getting savaged. Yep. Which I kind of saw coming. Um, I, I mean, I freaking love Citizen Four. I I I thought that was an amazing film, one of the better documentaries I've seen in recent years. And I just don't I don't know that you can again fictionalize that when if you watch the original it's just so captivating. Um or the documentary it's so captivating. I just don't like again I I just don't think a story like that needs to be fictionalized. I think that if you watch the documentary there's plenty there. I I mean um, I I'm not against it. Uh, just in principle, I mean, I, I don't think that, uh, you know, I don't think that there's, it's the exclusive domain of a documentary. I just think that maybe it's not, uh, maybe Oliver Stone might not be the right person to do it. No, I, I think, I think the fault may lie a hundred percent in Oliver Stone not being the right person for this. <laughs> uh, or maybe he's the perfect person for this. I, I, I don't know. It's, I, I, I think that he's maybe a, uh, a uh, a choice that's not going to be seen as maybe the most uh, impartial party, um, but I don't know. Anyway, who knows? We haven't seen we it haven't yet, seen so. It, so we're, we can't prejudge and, it. Uh, and unfortunately, due to booking, um, I don't know about there, but Blair Witch is the same night. So. Oh yeah, um, I, I don't believe I received an invite to Blair Witch. So mm. um. also, that's at a hundred percent right now too. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I have no real real stake in the Blair Witch game. I haven't I know seen, a lot of people are really excited about it, but I have no I have no horse in that race. I haven't seen the Blair Witch project, so You haven't seen the Blair Witch project? No. When I mean, you were all excited about this movie too. Just because no, I of wasn't. The, you were oh you were excited about the secrecy. Yeah, I was excited about what it represented and kind of the the way that they made it, but as far as the movie itself, I couldn't give two shits about that. <laughs> okay. All right, uh, anything else? Uh, I don't think anything else is hitting wide this next week. Other than those I don't two. think so either. Um, so it's probably going to be all Snowden. Snowden. All Snowden all the time. Or not. Just for an hour or so. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, all right. If you want to reach us, you can email us at podcast at cinesnob.net. You can call us at 920-FILM-210. That's 920-3456-210. Or you can find us on Twitter <laughs> at uh, Cinesnob, Facebook at Critic. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes if you if you please. Um, we're also on Stitcher. Um, Cody, you have a lot of irons in the fire. You can also Cody can also be heard on the Power Pals podcast every now. And then. Yeah, thanks for the plug, Jared. It's sure, uh, you're welcome. It's a it's a it's a podcast that I do with my buddy Jerry Rocha, um, who's a stand up comedian we've had on this show a couple times. Uh, a very funny guy, and uh, also with. Um, a couple other stand-up comedians based out in L.A., uh, Mike Black and Andrew DeWitt, and then also their friend Avery Faith is on that show. And uh, it's cool. They, uh, they're, 
it's more of a nerd based type stuff. So I there you have, you have very little to contribute in that you're just like I don't know what that means. And that's part of the fun behind yeah. it, yeah. honestly, because because I get to ground them and like I'm like the bully that calls them nerds sometimes. But uh, but no, there there is stuff you know when we explore like the latest episode that we did. Um, I I I know I tried to get you to listen. I don't know if you have, but I uh, have. Yes, I have. So it was the uh, Jerry's Batman ordeal. Oh, I haven't gotten that far into that episode. Yet. Oh, okay, so I it's basically it's basically Jerry saying that uh, the Joel Schumacher Batmans are better than the Christopher Nolan Batman, and everyone calling him insane. <laughs> yeah, that's fucking stupid. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, Jerry. and and it's just like it's very it's a very funny show. Um, we get off track as we do here, and uh, yeah, if you want to check it out, it's uh, the Power Pals podcast on iTunes. All right. And uh, you can hear me uh, on this podcast for now. <laughs> How do we find that? You can download the uh, other episodes. We have 88 regular episodes now and like 10 bonus episodes. And, and yeah, and, and the, the thing about our show, and I've said this many times, is that it is uh, – you have to have listened to the previous 88 or 87 in order to understand this one. Oh, yeah. We're, so, I mean, this is a serialized podcast. Yeah, this is, this is a very serialized podcast. So you need to go back and listen to all of the episodes to really understand what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, don't, don't sleep, sleep on that. You've got, you got a lot of listening to do. Some of those episodes are pretty fucking long. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we've done some epics. Uh, and then, yeah, uh, stay tuned to Facebook uh, this week. And this podcast, and and probably Facebook Live is where we'll make the official announcement um, of our uh, of our thing that's going to be going on um, with the in, with Big Hops, and um, it should be really cool. Um, but we're really going to need uh, some help with that. So uh, if you're a, a um, dedicated listener, um, you know, please spread the word when we have that official announcement. Cody will buy you a beer. No. Why? <laughs> well, you cheap son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, not everybody. Jared, Cody, Cody will pick one person to buy a beer for. I don't. I can't buy thousands of people beer. <laughs> yeah. If you're a pretty girl. Yeah. He'll buy you. See, the joke was thousands of people listen to this. No, I get it. Okay, good. I was telling. I was trying to get you get you a, a pretty lady. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, we'll have a hottest girl contest. <laughs> a, a hottest girl contest. Not, <laughs> not even, not even like dressing it up a little bit. Just a hottest <laughs> girl contest. And that one will win a beer of their choice. Yeah. No, yeah, that's I, the girls don't listen to this show. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. No, I don't. I don't think there may be a few. We should. Can we get any kind of solid analytics on that? Uh, I know of one that listens. Uh, that we don't that like we didn't are, are not a, obligated to doesn't, yeah, doesn't have a direct connection with one. Yeah, I know of <laughs> one. It's is it someone's mom? <laughs> no, it's actually someone who who uh, when we were having our our big thing about uh, making our our uh, show female friendly, oh, one yeah. of a, a, a female actually wrote in and said, "Hey, I'm a woman and I listen to your show," and I was like. I'm sorry. <laughs> you were like, oh God, I'm so I'm so very sorry. Yeah. All right. Anything else? But to the, add? The, the apologies are, oh. are not exclusive to the female audience. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm sorry for everybody. Yeah. Any, anything else to add before we go? Uh, no. 
I don't think so. I think we're good. No, not legalize it or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, uh, just uh, Trump twenty sixteen. <laughs> Trump twenty sixteen. Yeah, uh, yeah. Coney twenty twelve. Trump twenty sixteen. <laughs> Coney. Oh my god, <laughs> that is digging deep. <laughs> Man, that story ended in the best way possible, which was the, guy. the Coney guy being naked in the middle of the street on drugs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not Coney himself. <laughs> the. Uh, you know, the blonde-haired... All right, on that note, I'm Jared Kingery. And I'm Cody Viafania. Thank you for listening to this Cine Snob podcast. To read reviews, interviews, and more, visit cinesnob.net. See you next week.